0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us today for this session, which is entitled Finding Your Niche. Appreciate you all coming today. Um, you know, day three of ATM gets a bit tiring, so we appreciate your effort coming today. So, today's travel and tourism market is fiercely competitive, and it's difficult to stand out from the crowd, particularly if you offer mass market products that, let's face it, everyone is selling. At the same time, customers are demanding unique and personalized experiences and adventures. They want to be inspired with imaginative packages that are tailor-made. That's where the travel experts with specialist knowledge have a huge role to play. Today's panelists all provide specialist and niche products, and they do it extremely well. They're here to tell us how to think outside of the box, identify new source markets for business, and collaborate with industry partners to put together imaginative packages. So let me introduce you to them. So I'm gonna start over in the, over there, yonder. <laughs> we have Debbie Duncan Studart. She's general manager for Abercrombie in Kent. And Debbie has worked in the travel industry for more than 20 years, and she specializes in luxury travel. At Abercrombie and Kent, she crafts unique, complex, and tailor made packages in destinations all around the globe. Sitting next to her, we have Nabil Sharif, who's the founder and director of Serendipity Tailor Made. That's a leading luxury, halal friendly tour operator based in the UK. His advice to going niche is to follow your heart, be the first, and be the best, but avoid fads, he says sitting next to Bill. Very good advice. Helen likes it. Let me introduce Helen. Helen Beck, Vice President, International Sales and Marketing for Crystal Cruises. Helen has worked in the travel industry for more than 30 years, and her knowledge of the cruise industry is second to none. Cruise is a prime example of a booming, not so much a niche market anymore. um, And increasingly, the cruise lines are offering tailor-made itineraries and options for their guests. Her advice is be a challenger brand. And then the gap there, that's going to be me, so don't worry. (laughs) Moving over to Michael. Michael Marshall, Chief Commercial Officer for Minor Hotel Group. Michael heads up sales, marketing, revenue, and distribution. He's responsible for six brands, including Anantara, which most of you know is a brand known for offering unique destination experiences. The portfolio of Anantara Anantara, properties really lend themselves well to multiple-stay packages. And his advice is, don't just follow. Go in and build a market. And last, but definitely, definitely not least, we have Robin here, Robin Parry. He's the Vice President for Emirates Holidays. And Robin, too, he's an industry veteran, more than 20 years um, with experience in Europe and the Middle East, across tour operating, retail, cruise, online travel, you name it. This obviously makes him well-placed to provide top tips on customer trends and how best to tap into them by specialising. He's noted the trend for experiential travel It's about what you do, not what you have. Right, so on that note, I'm going to take a little journey over here. This time, I'll bring my mic. Yesterday, I left it here and nearly got strangled, so (laughs) it's always a good idea. Right, that's better. So, first of all, panellists, I'd like to really discuss why is it important in this day and age that we do specialise? What are the benefits? So, I think we can ask all of you that question, so I'll just start with Debbie. Debbie, why should we specialise? Hi,
1: can anybody hear me? (laughs)
0: Can we get some mic action at the end? (laughs) Yep. Okay. I think that's better now. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, Yeah. you're on. Can't hear myself.
1: Hi. Good morning, everybody. It's nice to be here again. Thanks for inviting me, Gemma. I think it's important that we specialize in um, certain products because it's easier, one of the benefits we find is, A, it's easier to train your staff on a certain product, so then they know it inside out, and then it's a lot easier to sell to the client. I think the client feels a lot happier a lot more confident when there's the first phone call they make to us and they speak to somebody knowledgeable about that destination that they specialize in. I think that's one of the major benefits for us. So, would you say
0: these days that's what people are looking for because they can go anywhere to get travel advice? internet. Absolutely. So, they that's can, the, yeah, the. Absolutely. Yeah. They can go
1: online, they can go on social media, they can talk to their friends. Um, generally all our specialists have traveled to that country and done it inside out so they can not only advise on hotels I think it's more about selling the experience the things they did when they were there what you can do and what you can't do and I just think the client feels a lot more confident and at ease
0: with booking with you if you can do that so that expertise really makes you stand out from the rest yeah? yes okay um, coming on to Nabil. I mean, can you tell us a bit about your story, you know, how, because it's very interesting about how you decided to specialize, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we started five years ago um, under a lot of pressure um, to begin a brand new business in a market that pretty much didn't exist. Uh, the term halal holidays was not very well known. It wasn't, it wasn't, really, a, it wasn't really a term. We coined it out of, out of nothing. Um, We actually started our business in the middle of a recession. Now, I don't expect or advise anybody to do that. um, But one of the greatest assets of being different is that you can survive turbulent times. And with the travel industry, it is so saturated. It's been saturated for for over probably a couple of decades, really, going from the the standard uh, all-inclusive Uh, packages that you can get off the shelf all the way through to the expertise and the tailor-made products that Abercrombie and Ken, for example, make. So when you're standing out and you have to make yourself a little bit different from the crowd, um, we really had to look at something that was a need that needed to be serviced. And we really looked at ourselves. Um, We started by looking at ourselves. We turned around and said, okay, what do I want? What do I want to get out of a holiday? And that's really where we started. So... uh, it's important to differentiate, it's important to look at the channels that we work with now, Um, and going forward, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there, it's just a matter of finding them.
0: Thank you, that's brilliant. And Helen, I mean, with Cruise, what have you seen with, you know, industry partners that do specialise in Cruise, and how has that benefited them? Um,
3: Good morning everyone, lovely to be here, Uh, thank you, good question as always. Uh, when, you st- when you joined or did the introduction, Jeremy, you mentioned that cruise is sort of becoming more mainstream. I, I disagree slightly. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, starting disagreement already. Um, I think in some markets, cruise has become mainstream. So I would look at the US maybe or the UK where there's greater awareness. But certainly I think if you look at most emerging markets around the world where cruise is still a relatively unknown concept and so therefore we sit still very much in the niche uh, area. Um, but I think that the, the joy of cruise is that you can, you can have those specialists who've identified that cruising is such a great opportunity for a holiday of any style. It, it, it is very broad spectrum uh, and of, reaches a broad spectrum of tastes. And so if you can specialize and really identify um, your target market, uh, identify the cruise lines that really fit to your segment... Then I think that's really where the strength is of specializing. And I would recommend any of the travel partners. I consider travel partners to be, they are the foundation of the industry. Um, When you look at our frontline agents, and they've got the hardest job in the planet. How can you know everything? It is impossible. So therefore, I think to be a successful company within travel, you have to specialize and do the best you can with your agents, your frontline agents to make sure they've got the wherewithal to be the best they can be. They cannot know everything, so helping them to specialise will therefore make your business more successful.
0: Thank you, Helen. Now, Michael, we had an interesting conversation this morning very briefly, didn't we? Now, you were talking about how, with your brand, you were going into markets that were traditionally $50 markets, $50 a night, but bringing in products, being a pioneer where you can charge $500 a night. So how has specializing uh, benefited minor hotel group?
4: I think the key is that your brands are are really differentiated and they really are true to what their DNA is and and what the essence is. So if you take Anantara, um, which was our first brand, um, our differentiation really and uh, specialization is in having really true local experiences. And we were one of the the founders of this and they really Mm -hmm. are, are true. And having um, hotels that you know our, we're a Thai company, and um, we have um, some special part of the, the of the hotel that is Thai. Usually, the spa we're very well known for the for the Thai spa, or or, to, or some element of Thai food. But what we do is we really take the local culture and local environment into the design of our hotels and into the service delivery and um, deliver these experiences. So Anantara, for example has been able to come into the Middle East from Asia um, with Kassar sarab that you will know and Sabani Yas and develop, um, you know, products that really suit the local market here, give you real Arabic local experiences. And we're able to tar- target a clear market that is prepared to pay, you know, $500 rather than, than $50. So you've got to get your market really clear and targeted.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, Michael. Um, Robin, well, uh, Emirates holidays. So what are you doing to kind of go down this specialisation route and why is it important? I mean, particularly with your global experience then coming here quite recently to this role. Okay, um,
5: and before that, I'll just probably say that... Slight difference between specialism okay. and niche. Sure. Because you, you can actually, Good be a, yeah. you could actually be a specialist in, in mass markets, and, and a lot of the OTAs do that True. extremely yeah. well. Yeah. Um, it is quite commoditized, but through technology and through their targeting yeah. Yeah. Um, and through the, the capabilities of making it easy for people to book, they have specialists in that. Yes. Niche is slightly different. Yeah. Um, and niche, I think, for anybody who's thinking about niche market, should be very, very conscious of the objectives of going into it because it doesn't give scale, mm. um, for sure, and also you have to be extremely, extremely capable at delivering it. And that depends where you are on that value chain. So whether it's selling it, whether it's actually developing it as a product, or whether it's delivering it as a product, you've got to be very, very, very good. Because often in a more niche market that you have, your customers will be, will be very, very knowledgeable about it. So you've got to be able to deliver to them. For Emirates holidays specifically, um, expertise is key to us, um, absolutely fundamental. We don't play in the commoditized world. What we're trying to deliver is, um, is tailor-made, bespoke, holiday experiences for people flying on Emirates airlines, wherever that may be in the world. Um, Dubai is obviously very, very centric to us. So we work very, very, very hard in promoting Dubai, because we've made a a very, very clear direction that it's we can't compete and we don't want to compete in that commoditized OTA world. There's a lot of customers and a lot of this is customer driven. Um, Customers want decent experience. They want to try try new things. They want authenticity. They want to travel a company that can understand their needs, and match those needs, give them the expertise, give them the guidance, and more importantly, look after them from beginning to end as well.
0: Do you think a lot of people are kind of afraid? They kind of get trapped in the the mass market, like you say. You know, you, that can you can specialise within that. But do you think there's a bit of a fear factor? It's better to you know follow rather than be a leader. Is that a problem?
5: Um, I wouldn't say it depends on the objectives. Your commercial objectives, really. To be quite to be quite honest, I think. In the commoditized world, it is harder to differentiate, and that, that's the key thing. And if you struggle to differentiate, then your business is less defensible. And I think the more niche that you can go, and if you're really, really good at it, and if, you're, if you can do the complex really, really well, that's very defensible. It's hard for somebody else to imitate you and copy you. If you're in the mass market end and in the commoditized end, it's easy to copy. Mm. And in fact, the biggest driver more than anything else in that end is the technology. Yes, yeah. technology is actually driving yeah. that more than anything yeah. else at this moment in time. Not the expertise in about product. Exactly. Not the expertise in customer service. Not the expertise in, in delivering a wonderful experience to people. It's the technology that's driving that. Sure.
0: Okay. Thanks, Robbie. So, guys, how do we decide what to specialise in? You know, if there's people here today, where, where's the starting point? Perhaps I think, Nabil put you on the spot. How do, how do people decide?
2: You know? I'm, a, I'm a big believer that you need to not wait for an opportunity to find you. You need to go find that opportunity. And it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot more difficult to do than it probably was maybe 20 years ago, um, purely because the opportunities are, are, are a lot more difficult to find. It's a needle in a haystack. Um, but really, look at the strengths of your business. Look at what you're good at. Um, for example we have very very strong relationships with our suppliers we've worked with some of our suppliers for over 10 years and we have a very good relationship with them we've got a very loyal customer base so we work on what our strengths are we're not going to suddenly set up a sub brand that specializes in wine tours we know nothing about wine um, and quite, it, it, <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be completely offensive to anybody that's coming to our uh, to us to, to, to ask for a wine tour because we know we can't service that so we play to our strengths um, one of my mentors always said to me, "Use your strengths to build your weaknesses." Now we're not not—I'm not using it to build wine tours, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, every every one of us do have something that we need to work on to develop in a in a different way. Now I'm speaking on this panel is probably a, certainly the smallest and the most humblest um, as a company of all of all my my experienced panelists here. So I'm I'm certainly looking at it from an SME perspective, and the SME market is certainly a part of the travel industry which will drive the niche sector purely because you're looking at a, a much smaller base, you're looking at a specialized client, and a lot of the time you need those specialized people to, to, to service those people to, to service those clients. So my personal opinion is is really to to start with your strengths and build from there.
0: Okay. I mean Debbie with what you do at Abercrombie, um, obviously it's all luxury, but luxury is not a niche. So how do no, you drill down and how do you decide? Is it client-led and then you package it? or It's very much client-led. I mean,
1: luxury, we've done that word to death in Dubai for yeah. the last I mean
0: Everything's 10 luxury. Isn't everything's it? luxury.
1: <laughs> um, and luxury to one person isn't the same as luxury to another. Luxury yeah. to one person is a private jet and a penthouse suite. Luxury to somebody else is being able to turn their phone off. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's very it's very client, very client-led, and I totally agree is you should concentrate on what your strengths are, what you're good at. For instance, we started 52 years ago in Kenya. It's mm. still our best selling destination. Safari is still what we are. The with top, Jeffrey, top, Kent. with yeah. Jeffrey Kent. With yeah. Jeffrey Kent. I mean, maybe still at you the could top. just tell
0: us a bit about Jeffrey, you know, what is so special and how it was following his dream, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: he followed basically he started off with an ice bucket and a Jeep 52 years ago yeah. and started doing safaris with his family, and that's how it all started. But he's been an adventurer since day one. He drove his motorbike from Cape Town to Nairobi or something when he was 16, so <laughs> travels in his blood. <laughs> but I think you know one of the things we specialize in where we find our clients love it is most of our top selling destinations is we have Abercrombie and staff Abercrombie and Kent staff on the ground so when you're met at the plane door it's by an Abercrombie and Kent guide they're my colleagues they're not they're not somebody that we've just taken on to look after our clients and that work that just makes it such a seamless experience Yeah. yeah So if there's a problem while they're away, it just gets sorted straight away. Often if there is a small problem, we don't even find out about it. And I think that's one of our strengths, and it's about knowing your suppliers as well and the relationships you have with your suppliers, because if you don't have the relationships with your suppliers,
0: they're not going to treat your customers like you want them to. And I guess what you're talking about is not just deciding on a niche and going with it, it's following through across every touch point. It's following isn't it? through and
1: also listening to your clients. If you've got a good client base, a loyal client base, they will talk to you and tell you what they want. And that's where our ideas come from and what we're going to do next but we never do anything unless Jeffrey's tried it himself.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I interviewed him. He told me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He told me there's a couple of things he wouldn't sell, but I won't go into
2: yeah,
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> he, in, he went into space once and decided we weren't going to go yes, into that market. Yes, yeah, he went
0: there yeah, with the uh, Yeah, <laughs> I heard about that one. <laughs> um, so, so what um, niche markets or what trends are we noticing today? What are clients want, wanting? And anybody would like to pick that up? I mean, I'd like to talk about crew specifically so we could start there yeah yeah jump in first
3: and probably use a word that sorry colleagues uh, experience Um, it's one of the things that we're seeing more and more is and I think we you know I count myself in this it's about having an amazing experience and it can be at any you know it can be any stage of your life any sort of budget stage of your life from a you know financial wealth perspective But it's really, it's gone beyond just this going somewhere to go and tick the boxes. It's going somewhere so that you can really enjoy that whole experience. And the ways of doing that are myriad. I mean, the experience of going on a safari, I mean, that's a whole different topic. But I think everything we do is driven by passion. That's the other word that came to mind with both of you speaking was, you know, you specialize in something that is a passion to you. And um, for me, this is where... um, uh, the travel industry has an edge, because we're involved in dreams. This is what we all work hard for through the year, is to go and have two, three weeks on holiday and then disconnect and have summer makes an experience. And whatever that means to you from a luxury perspective, or whatever it is, for me at the moment, I've been on a trip for 26 days around the world. Quite honestly, luxury for me is going home having a cup of tea, <laughs> yeah, yeah I and can baked understand. beans on toast. <laughs> I'm so sad
0: <laughs> that, I that
3: would is, have made you that the is is definition of luxury is completely different.
0: And, and what's Crystal doing to you know drill down to tailor make itineraries because obviously, you know, they're all yeah. on the same yeah. boat so on each. Ship. Sorry, ship. Ship.
2: ship.
0: <laughs> That's twice the B, today, Helen. The B word. Sorry.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, what are you so, doing to drill down surely. to?
3: Again, I think uh, Debbie raised a very good point. It's, it's all about what your customer asks you to do, tells you. Uh, Crystal's going through a wonderful expansion program uh, over the, this last year. So we're moving from being a traditional, not that there is a traditional cruise company, but we're moving from being a cruise company to becoming a travel company. So, uh, we're expanding into river cruises, uh, yachting, uh, air, but no worries, uh, Robin, <laughs> we've got two aircraft, <laughs> no, we're, not, we're not going to take over the world just yet. Um, so, but we, talk, we talk to our customers, we have a, a lovely database of very loyal clients called our Crystal Society members who are re- beyond passionate about Crystal, and uh, we asked 10,000 of them if, if they were going on river cruises. and. Uh, you know, what did they think if Crystal was to go into river cruises? And 9,600 responded to say, well, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> finally, you're going into river cruises. And so, so something so as
0: simple as research.
3: Something as simple as that. Yeah, and yeah. so, and then what we're doing is, yes, yeah, so we are, we're going into, we're launching our first river yacht, Crystal Mozart, in uh, July this summer. And it is really specializing. It's keeping the DNA, the core of what we're doing is we, we've been a very successful company with two ships for 25 years, and that DNA of ultra-luxury service, attention to detail, options, space, experience, will run through every, every brand extension that we do, river yachts, yachts, air, whatever the extension is. Um, and we hire for attitude. We, Our staff, our crew, are hired for attitude, and we train the needed skill. So when we launch our luxury air program, we're actually gonna take our butlers from uh, uh, the ship and put them onto the aircraft, and then we'll train on the safety skills that are needed. So it's coming at it from a different perspective and taking what works for us as crystal.
0: That's really interesting. Debbie and Helen should chat. Probably will. Yeah, we probably will. Um, It was interesting, Robin, what Helen was just talking about there, about how they did that customer research and then found this market that was waiting to happen. Um, Now, at Emirates, you have got a giant database of all these millions of people that fly around the world with Emirates. Um, How do you tap into that to try, and everyone's talking about personalization these days, aren't they? How do you tap into that to identify... What people are wanting, and then what trends are you noticing, and how is Emirates Holidays responding with, you know, niche offerings? Okay,
5: I'll i to answer the last question first. Fine, whatever. All about the trends, and and I think that the key thing for, for Emirates Holidays, we have lots of source markets, so we send lots of different markets, and the trends vary considerably. Yes. Depending on the market, yep. so if you take a more, and it's a lot of it's down to the maturity of the market as well in terms of the experience of, of the customers have within there. A lot of it down to the ability they've had to travel in the past. For, for Europe, for example, which is relatively mature, what we're seeing is a trend is a lot about I mean, experiences for sure, but within that, authenticity yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is a key thing that people want authentic experiences because they've traveled a lot and they've seen a lot and they've been to lots of places, and it's really trying to get under the skin of a culture or a city or a place. And we're definitely seeing that as, as a trend going on. In terms of the, of, of the research um, perspective, yes, Emirates has lots and lots of customers um, and lots of loyal customers, which, yeah. which, is, which is brilliant. And, and in terms of developing product, it is about understanding customers' needs and, mm-hmm. and having that real, real deep insight and then being having the capability to, to deliver it effectively and do it better than your competitors. So we work very, 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 very hard on that. And there is a real element, I think it was being talked about earlier with with customers now, that co-creation of product. So I think it's changed in in, in the old days, all of the time it was travel companies would say, here's our product, come and buy it. Whereas nowadays, customers, much more sophisticated, um, much more access to information, um, much more experienced in, in traveling, and by really listening to customers and their needs mm. and the nuances of those needs, you can co-create product together. Yes. And that's quite yeah. an exciting area, yeah. really. And that's where niche can really play its part mm. because you can get, you can get niches with the niches, within niches yeah. of that. You've just got to be careful commercially um, in terms of your objectives. Back to my first point, whether that's where you want to go commercially, but also about your capability because the more niche you go, the better you've got to be at yes. doing it. And if and I think it's been said before, if, you, if it's a passion and you love it, there's a good chance you will be really good at doing it as well, and then your customers will enjoy it, and if they enjoy it, you get the magic thing of advocacy where they go out and tell everybody how great it is, and they recommend it to people as well.
0: Advocacy, that's a good one to talk about in a minute, I think, but Michael, uh, Robin mentioned about authenticity, which I thought, great, that will lead me on to Michael perfectly. (laughs) Now, you offer destination experiences. I mean, from my experiences at Anantara Properties, for example, that's what you're offering. I mean, what what are you noticing in terms of, you know, niches and experiences and authenticity and what people are wanting, not just necessarily here in the Middle East, but all your properties, you know, Asia, etc.
4: I think picking up on the point, um, uh, people are looking for real, true, authentic experiences, and that's something that we, we are able to deliver because what we do is we tend to go to the destinations which people are not going to yet. Um, you know, the, the the secondary third level destinations, um, I can give you an example for, for um, Sri Lanka. We went into Sri Lanka when the wars were still going on, you know, it was a troubled destination and tourism was limited and, um, you know, we went in with our Avani brand and now... Um, you know, four years later, we're bringing in four Anantaras um, that are in amazing locations um, and are really game changers in that market, offering real local cultural experiences um, in locations that people have never even thought about going. Um, but we're seeing that people are looking as well. I mean, you touched on personalization, and it's a big buzzword, but Actually, there's so much information out there about people. You know, if you look at your Emirates database or whatever, there's so much information about your customers out there. But bringing that together into one place so that you can really then actually deliver what they're looking for and wow them when they're not expecting to be wowed. You know, that's like you're yes. saying in Africa. Yeah. You know, we do, say, for example, in the Maldives, you know, someone's in one of our villas, they've got the, the sunset. sunset. They're not expecting it, but in the afternoon, we build a little space on the beach, dig a hole and everything, lay a table, put champagne there, and they have a sunset um, cocktail that they weren't even expecting. So, you know, these are the things that then will build the loyalty with with your customers. Um, And I think you have to look at being the first into destinations. Um, You know, China, we went into China. Uh, We were not the first to go in. All the big boys were there. Um, We couldn't get the primary locations, so we went into places that you may not have even heard of, like Shishwambana, which is in the Yunnan province, which is, you know, really um, in the tea um, area, you know, in the jungle. And, um, you know, we opened a hotel there, and it's difficult to get to. But, you know, if your offering is so good and it's tailored and you know what your customers are, people will make the effort to go there. It's the same with Mozambique in Africa. You know there was wars going on and everything. We've gone in. We've got three Anantaras there. It's a challenge, um, but you're leading the market, and other people uh, will follow you. But you'll be ahead, and you'll be the you'll be the leader.
0: And how do you find the people that want to go there? It's kind of you know going in there first, and then build it, and then they'll follow.
4: You have to really you know use all the channels, and you have to target very carefully. You you know do a lot of research um, and work with all the partners. That's the key. You know, you were you, you all key partners of ours. Um, and often when you're in these challenging or, or different or new destinations, you need a good partner on the ground. And often we go, exactly. we go in um, with a JV partnership. So we're investing, you know, significantly, but we, you need local knowledge. And, uh, you know, that's across the board from delivering the experiences and developing the packages or whatever you're doing, but also, you know, on a financial, legal... Tax, name it, everywhere.
0: Yeah. Brilliant, thank you. Now, is there anything that people should maybe avoid in terms of niches? I know, um, Nabil, when uh, we had a little chat online and um, you were saying about avoiding fads. But at the same time, you've come up with some really cool niche offerings that aren't fads. So how do you differentiate between, you so I think about the, the mancations you were talking about and your sister holidays. <laughs> yeah. If you could expand on those, because I like those. They're cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, within our industry, we we have we have a bit of a blank canvas, to be honest. We can look at so many different aspects of themes within the halal-friendly spectrum. Um, we can look at solar holidays. We can look at adventure holidays, wildlife holidays, and bring all those themes in together. Um, when I when I mentioned fads, um, one of my, and, and we've learned this through experience, um, you can't you can't look at everything that's relevant to your market and think right that's going to be commercially viable. You need to make sure that it is going to generate revenue for you. You need to make sure that it is going to be beneficial for you and for your clients. For example, I came across a dry hotel during ATM, and very very excited about it, or us coming coming about it, a lovely little hotel, um, but. It was, in the, it was in a location that just didn't serve my clients. You know, I could put it on, I could put it on our website, but it's really not going to generate any revenue. On the flip side, I came across this beautiful luxury tents in uh, Nagaland. Um, they only operate 14 days a year, and that just got, that's got an experience that I can't replicate. I don't know anybody else that can replicate, and it's such a unique product. Um, so from our perspective, we're creating experiences, and we've said experiences, but experiences really do make make yeah. what, make niche travel yes. what it is. Um, we have sister tours, um, which really leans towards um, halal-friendly travel. A lot of sisters like to travel in groups of sisters, um, and when I say sisters, I mean ladies. Um, and we we've recently started wellness retreats, um, so. Um, ladies that want to go away and nutritionally make them get back on track. They might just want to get away from the kids for two weeks. Um, they might want to do a bit of yoga. All those experiences that they could do on a holiday, but just don't have it all wrapped up in a halal-friendly context. So fads are great for a very limited time. Um, and they don't, just another point, they don't also just relate to product. It can also relate to channels. Um, so for example, we, you know, VR has been very much... Yeah. Hot topic in travel. And my personal view of VR in, in travel is that it can be very, very beneficial to some of, probably some of the bigger players in the market, for sure. But for us, do we really want to invest you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds into VR for, you know, for a potential limited return on it? So we've really got to look at what is relevant to us and what is commercially viable.
0: Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Sabil. Um So I'd like to talk a little bit about marketing now and how you know, um, back like, I won't ask you, Debbie. <laughs> How do we go about marketing? You know these niches. I mean, we've talked talked about it being customer led, um, but I guess that's not always the case. Like we were saying with you, Michael. You know, when you're going into you know new frontier markets, perhaps, um, and trying to create some buzz. So, anybody like, like to answer that? Helen. Robin. Robin. Yeah, Robin. <laughs> Robin.
5: I think it very much depends on the niche in terms of how how you market, because some some niche experiences can be to particular groups that have a particular interest, so whether that's golf or whether that's triathlon or whether that's cycling or whether that's um, wine or whatever it is. So in some respects, they're the easier ones because they're a very, very targeted audience already, and there's lots of um, channels that you can communicate to them, traditional print still, but also online. There's lots of opportunities Mm -hmm. there. I think the, the, the challenge gets a little bit, it gets a bit more challenging when you're creating something that, that's quite new. Mm. Um, and to the point of, I think you're saying, going to Mozambique, that, that's that's quite a challenge of how you can communicate that to customers. But if you've got something new, PR is probably one of the best things, to be quite honest. And it's, it's how you can really push that and make it interesting um, to, to journalists who can then make it interesting to consumers as well. So I think it very much depends on, on where you are. And I think there's a, what I'd like to make as which is a challenge to, to, to kind of anybody who's in niche is the whole peer-to-peer industry as well and how, how that is mm. evolving because it, it, first of all, it pretty much started on with, with just accommodation, mm. but that is evolving considerably, and now you're getting lots of um, peer-to-peer businesses that can offer niche and authentic, really truly authentic experiences as well. And I think anybody in the travel industry has to be extremely cognizant of, of that and how they can adapt and evolve Mm. their business to understand how they can add value to a customer, where a lot of the time customers can now, through the internet, peer-to-peer, and talk to somebody who lives there already Mm. and is a local themselves. And it's how we can find a way to enhance that rather than to to, um, ignore it.
0: Are we starting to see consolidators of those peer-to-peer products? Or, you know, people think, oh, let's see if we can grab those and package them and then remarket them. Is that something I mean, I'm sure
5: that'll be the next evolution Yeah. Of I mean, well, this is what I was
0: thinking, well, what is going to be the next thing? That's yeah. definitely, you know, at the moment, peer-to-peer. A lot of people seem to be a bit afraid of it. The rest of the market's afraid, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's quite a small proportion at the moment. I mean, I
5: mean some travel companies are doing it already. So you, you can go to, to New York, for example, and you can you can actually be taken around a community and around restaurants and around museums by locals. It's not a tour company that's doing it for you. So there is a, there is a way to to be able to harness that yeah, um, but I think that's going to be an interesting mm. um, area going forward for sure.
1: We've already started doing that because we've got um, ANK philanthropy so we've got, oh, got a lot okay. of philanthropy projects going on in a lot of destinations and so you know if uh, clients in Kenya they'll visit a local school that we sponsor or they'll go to a recycling thing that we sponsored we're doing bees we're doing all sorts of things and it is you're right, and like in Vietnam, one of our best-selling tours in Vietnam, in Saigon, is a, a food tour in the evening on the back of a Vespa with a local food blogger. Wow, yeah. And sure. it's things like that, yeah. That's
0: fantastic, yeah. Not your normal day-to-day tours. Yeah. So again, you know, when we talk about luxury, that's luxury in a completely different sense to how uh, yeah. we'd imagine it, yes. But i say like authenticity and unique once-in-a-lifetime, yeah. And food
1: is coming into... Th- the play more and more now. We're always asked for restaurant recommendations, something a bit Mm. different, not where everybody goes. Yes. A lot of people think about food when they go on holiday now.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. Nabil, yeah.
1: Uh, That ties in nicely with halal. (laughs) It does, it does. And it's
2: it's it's, it's really interesting you mentioned food, because with... And you mentioned marketing. And you don't have to just look at travel and your database. Look on a more horizontal level and look at the collaborations you can make as well. Um, Travel works very, very well with food or horticulture or clothing. There's so many different aspects that you can work on. So if you're looking at a a new market, you might want to look at other parts of other industries that have the same demographic, the same behavioral patterns that you're looking at. And learn a bit from them or collaborate with them
1: and collaborate with similar brands to yourself. Exactly, like we, yeah. we've done a collaboration with Land Rover right. where you go to Iceland you drive your own Land Rover with sure. technical engineers from Land Rover following you going down waterfalls that are frozen wow. but Land Rover is a very similar <laughs> brand to us but you need to be careful who you collaborate with
0: yes with your brand Do you do that, Michael, in destination? Yeah, I think each depends on
4: the destination and the type of customers and also how the type of market, you know, for example, um, someone like Mozambique, you really need to work very closely with the partners because people, it's not easy to get to, you know, the airline, um, you can get to Johannesburg or whatever easily, but then transferring internally is quite challenging. So you need partners on the ground and partners internationally who will then, Persuade people, if you like, to try it. They might look at it and say, it, "I've always wanted to go there, but uh, I'm a bit scared, or a, it's you know, it's not exactly easy to get there." Whatever. Um, we see also that you know, so it depends if it's a if it's a domestic market, a bit like the UAE for El Sarab or Samanias, then the local word of mouth, social media, um, you know, mailings, etc., CRM to your 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 target customers works very well. It, but the more challenging the destinations, like Sri Lanka, again partners right. partners come in. But PR, we have a very strong, and we focus very heavily on PR, and um, and that's online and the traditional glossies and bloggers. In yes. some countries, bloggers now bloggers are, are a big are deal really, these days, really, aren't they? really yeah. important. We're going. Into well, they can
0: be your advocates. You know, yeah, we talk about advocacy. Advocates. Yeah, yeah. Same with social media. Yeah. yeah. So
4: there's so many different channels now. Yes. Um, yes.
0: Okay. Cool. Um, Talking about social media and technology, I mean, we're obviously talking about, you know, situation with Debbie, like with your company and Nabil, um, you know, talking very much with clients and that sort of one-to-one, face-to-face. But then what role is technology still playing in terms of that conversation and then them reposting, um, you know, on social media? And how do you get the balance, I guess?
1: Well, a lot of our clients, um, we, we do ask them to tag us on well, yep. Twitter, Facebook, and put their pictures up on Instagram. And it does work. Mm. Absolutely. We had a lady traveling in Kenya in January um, who has about, I think she's got about 2 million followers. And within the following two weeks, I'd sold that holiday again twice. Wow. Because they'd seen it. That's interesting. And they followed yeah. her, and they liked what she did, so they had to do it. Mm.
2: That's
0: and they did exactly yeah. the same itinerary. Yeah, yeah. Nabil, have, you, have yeah. you had that?
2: Response? Well, it builds, it builds trust and credibility um, within our market specifically. Trust is so so important, and it is I'm sure it's, it's the same for everybody else. But word spreads, you know, with within our within our audience, and you know, we have a very strong linkage between. You know, person A will go on holiday, but then we have quite big families generally, so person B...
0: So it's very much word of mouth. It is, it? yeah. yeah. Miss, yeah. You, know,
2: you know, Mr. So-and-so will have a brother who's getting married next week, and then <laughs> they'll have an auntie that's ha- you know that wants a holiday, and then two years later they've they got a couple of babies. And, you know, it, that loyalty and retention is so important. That trust is built now not only on social media, but also just the traditional word, to, word, word, to, uh, oh. word of mouth. But social media would just make that... I'll expedite that a little bit quicker. Um, but, yes, it's very important, and you can see revenue returns on it. So, certainly don't discount it.
4: Okay. Yeah, I think advo- advocacy is very important as well. And uh, in Asia, we, we, we use um, celebrity because, you know, particularly China, you know, to get these destinations going in China where they were very remote and most of our tourism was going to be local. Domestic tourism, mm. you need um, film stars or pop singers or whatever to be there, go there, and then it just starts that demand. Yeah, there's quite a lot uh, of that
1: here in this market as well. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw it in Sau-
4: with um, Saudi Arabia actually. Um, three of our Maldives island had, um, you know, one of the very, very senior royal families stay for two weeks, complete buyout, and after that. Saudi business started to come <laughs> and people wanted to stay where they country. stayed. I think right? I was due to go. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I was yeah. to due to stay
2: at the do at that point as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <good to laughs> well I had a client saying in there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Have you ex-
0: uh, Helen, have you experienced, you know, you know, in terms of social media, what's crystal? Yeah, again, I think it's common to all of our strategies. Yeah. None of
3: us in business today can not have social media and advocacy, blogging, all of these different things is a key, a key strategy in what we're doing. Again, we're blessed with a very loyal database of customers, um, and what we're learning as we're expanding into these new brand extensions is we can cross fertilise. Yes, and uh, we've we've launched um, a new yacht, Yacht Crystal Esprit, and uh, it's a little bit more of an active uh, experience. It's a true yachting experience where it's got wet landings onto beaches, off zodiacs, all that kind of stuff, and. Interestingly, we thought we'd get the majority of our guests from our existing database. Yes. But in actual fact, the majority have never cruised before. They've never been with Crystal, they're brand new to the brand. So that has been a brilliant learning Mm. for us of of learning, experiencing how we can look at cross-fertilizing and also start to get into new segments and move away from what we would call our traditional core business as such. Um, But social media, going back to that, absolutely plays a critical role. Um, we have free wi Now, this is going to sound nuts, because in the hotels, everybody gets free Wi-Fi, but on ships, not everybody gets no, they don't. free Wi-Fi. <laughs> no.
0: you know, ships it's move, quite and it's, ex- yeah. it's
3: expensive. There's a whole different technology that needs to be taken into play with, with vessels that move, um, because you have to be satellite-connected and all the rest of it. Um, but at Crystal, we actually give away 60 minutes of free wireless access every day because we recognize the importance of, A, staying in contact, um, but also of the, the advocacy that we get yes, from the social yep. media connections and the sharing, the Instagram, all of that kind of stuff. Interestingly, we have a, a, a very interesting cruise coming up um, this, later this summer that's the Northwest Passage. It's a, a 32, 32 day cruise where we, they will have actually very limited wireless access, and we're deliberately limiting it because we're going through some very remote communities right. who, who do actually have access to wireless. But we're choosing to not allow our guests to, so they because can enjoy otherwise, it. <laughs> well, a they can enjoy it without you know taking photographs all the time. But also, we don't disrupt the communities. <clears> Excuse right. me, that we're going through, because otherwise, that, we could actually probably swamp them uh, and take all of their connectivity. But you no, know, wireless social media, social media connections, all allowed are critical to what
0: we do. Before we move on to questions, Robin, have you got anything to add about advocacy? I mean, is Emirates Holidays going down that route and?
5: Social media is, is, is hugely important, but it's getting more challenging. I think there's so much stuff Because everyone's that. doing it. And yeah. Everyone's doing it. It's <laughs> yeah. how you cut through it, how you have interesting stories. And I think one of the things that's probably surprised me over the few years is the rise of the influencer. Yes. Because um, everybody's a journalist online. Everybody's got a comment. Yes. Yeah. who do you trust? And what's happened over the last few years is real influencers are out there. who have a voice of authority and people listen to them and, and tapping into them and working with them can be quite powerful because a lot of them have a lot of followers. And those people, they trust them and they listen to them, and that's that can be quite powerful. Um, but it is the challenge is to cut through the stuff from an acquisition yes. perspective. Yeah. It's cutting through with something that's interesting. Yeah. And people can and then it engage also, with. And also not overload,
0: to. I guess, as well. Yeah. That can be counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. But from an
5: advocacy perspective, it's fantastic because you've got a happy customer they can communicate that really easily yep. to everybody else, and that's just great. In, in in the old days, we used to have to go somewhere else and do it. And yes. talk to our friends. Now we can do it instantaneously. Yeah. And I think where it's really, really changed is, is, is particularly is during the holiday experience. Yeah, you know, that, That's a really yes. powerful thing. Yeah. If you can yeah. help enable people to be able to do that, so while they're there, that really, really makes it even more exciting for the people that they're communicating with.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Well, we've got time for a few questions. And I'm sure there must be some questions uh, from the audience. So Could you put your hands up and we'll get a mic over to you if you'd like to ask one, all of our panelists? Come on, there must be some questions. Surely. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) You could introduce yourself, please. That would be fantastic.
5: Hi, my name is Ajo George and I'm from uh, FCM. I just wanted to know what is the trend that has been happening in terms of uh, business, travel, being uh, clubbed and uh, extended as uh, leisure
0: as ah, well. the, ble- the pleasure trends. Exactly, the pleasure ah, trend. Okay. Anyone like to address a pleasure? I I, I'll jump in. Go on, Charles. Yeah. all yep. right. Again,
3: um, I suppose the way we would look at leisure, what a joyful combination of words, <laughs> yeah. with, with leisure dominating, which is good. Um, again, we wouldn't necessarily think that cruise industry, leisure, you know, business leisure, but obviously the, the ships lend themselves very well to meetings on board, that kind of thing. So you get a combination, really, I suppose. That's how I would say the cruise industry is addressing it because um, the guests or the delegates can come on board with partners, so you're actually having that combination of leisure experience plus a working experience. So I think probably the industry for cruise, that's how we address it yes. most, rather than an extension after a business trip. Uh, which I think probably more typically would come from a a hotel, a land-based vacation. I was going to say,
0: with Michael now, I mean, I guess you have people come to your properties for business and I think, this would be great for my family. So that's a lot of what's happening, isn't it? You know, there might be a business traveller that then comes back to one or another one of your properties. Abu Dhabi is a good example where you have a business property and Sabanias is for conferences, but also for an amazing safari experience in Abu Dhabi.
4: Yeah. No, I mean, we, we see that. We do have people who stay on business, say at Eastern Mangroves in Abu Dhabi, and then they, they then come out uh, or come back. They have another business trip maybe even, and then they go and stay in Sabani Yass and uh, uh, they can have a safari experience in the Middle East. We have a, a villa product there on the island with all the animals. But um, I think, you know, also long haul. You do find people that, you know, they've got a long haul business trip to Asia, say, and then they take the opportunity. They stay in Bangkok yeah on there do their business maybe then the family come and join and then they go off to Phuket or the Maldives or whatever um you know and that air access actually is really helping you know and it's probably helping all of us is that um you know from from the U.S. now you can fly easily to the Middle East you know with what Emirates have done and and Qatar forget me (laughs) but also Etihad um, you know, it's much easier to get to the Maldives or to get to yeah. Um, yeah. Asia, um, you know, with only two hops on a, you know, far better quality product than what the US airlines are delivering. So this is great, you know, and I think, yeah, it's, a, it's something you need to look at.
0: Yeah. And I guess in terms of, you know, the travel industry, you know, if, if with a travel agent could have someone dedicated to converting leisure, you know, business yeah. to leisure, that could be
4: a niche you could... Well, I think it's something that you should prompt. Oh, yeah, you know, you're booking a trip all the way to Bangkok. Well, you know, why don't you go up to Chiang Mai or yes. the Golden Triangle yes. and experience yes. the elephants and the jungle and everything? You know, it's. I think you need to upsell it, you know, as well. Just on just on
5: that point. Oh yeah, Robin. And then we've got time for one more question. Yeah. I see that as a, as a real trend, we've got a lot of colleagues who've come over from Europe. To Mike, A lot of colleagues come over to Europe for for this event, and I, I, I guess maybe a quarter of them are doing pleasure. Right, so perfect so, example, so the, the, yeah. Exactly the example. Yeah. I was talking to me yeah. last yeah. night, and they've done it. They, you know, they're know they staying on for a few extra days, and the partner's coming out, so that's a perfect example.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Have we got time? One minute. Right, one question. One minute, one question. Gentleman over there.
5: Thank you. Imtiaz uh, Mukbal from Travel Impact Newswire in Bangkok. My question is to my colleague from Bangkok, Mr. Marshall, but anybody else who would like to comment. <laughs> um, isn't this whole business about branding, you started off by talking about branding, but isn't this whole business of branding going a little bit overboard? I don't think people in the hotel business themselves know what the brands exist in other hotel sectors. Uh, where is this all going to lead? It's just becoming a, a sort of case of semi semi anarchy at the moment with all these brands coming out all the time.
0: <laughs> so really, you're saying you know we've got a proliferation of brands and it's becoming too much, and nobody knows what each one stands for. Is that correct? Right. Okay. In a nutshell. Yeah, I, I, Big, big question, but
4: yeah. <laughs> one minute. I think, well, one minute. <laughs> I think it's the responsibility of the brand or that company or whatever uh-huh. to make you really understand what that brand stands for and what the essence is and what the DNA is and what you're going to get when you get there. You know, and if if you're just putting a a logo and a name and it's just a cookie cut, which you know there are many brands out there that are just cookie cut, then you know that that's totally different from really what branding and what hotel brands should be doing.
1: I agree with Michael there as well. It's about the brand and letting your customer know. When our, when our sales consultants pick up the phone, they talk about the brand before the trip, before they even start talking about what the client wants or where they want to go. They talk about Abercrombie and Kent and what we can do for them and let them know what the brand is about. Because they may not, they may not know, but before launching into what they want and what they don't want. We definitely talk about the brand first.
3: I think just as well, just to add from a brand perspective, Crystal, we are moving into a different brand position, but we're bringing our customers and our wider partners with us. We're keeping Crystal. That's the core That's the core brand. And then brand extension. So again, it's, a, it's, it's very clearly evident who we are, what we are. We keep the DNA Running through, but it's the brand that the the key brand is Crystal itself, with the various extensions
0: underneath. And the brand that they trust. And it's the brand that they trust. Okay, lovely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's always got we've got time for today. So please give our panelists a big round of applause. Thank you. And thank you for coming. And see you again next year.